0: The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Hey
1: everyone, welcome to the weekend edition of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad that you are here.
2: Hello!
3: (laughs) And welcome to the podcast!
1: We are Rodrigo-less I again. Fake
3: Rigo. This
1: weekend, but we got fi- Fake Rigo there. And we also have Matthew. Hey, Matthew.
3: No, oh, there is no Matthew. Oh, only Fake Rigo. There is no Matthew, Rigo. only
1: Fake Rigo. Okay, well, uh, Fake It Rigo. is an
3: entire show of Fake Rigo because <laughs> people have asked in the past for an entire show of Fake Rigo, and I want to convince them how incredibly <laughs> stupid an idea this is. So let's talk about the toys.
1: Well, you know, uh, the other day on, on the main show, we were talking about Superman versus He-Man. And I don't know yes, about I you, but uh, at one point, those He-Man action figures were quite the things to start collecting and, and uh, playing with. Yes. Did you get the He-Man figures?
4: I did not, but my cousin Fake Elwood had a whole bunch of them.
2: <laughs>
4: and uh, he had, uh, he had uh, the He-Man and he had uh, the blue He-Man, who I thought was uh, funny that people were supposed to believe that he was the same person. Skeletor? He had the Skeletron and he had... um. The
3: one with the fur.
1: The, oh, I think I got to tell you, Fake Rigo. whoever is telling you that you should be on this show the entire time really needs to be shot in the head. Why don't you go get Matthew? Find him somewhere. Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> All right. Beastman. Beastman actually had uh, fur. Oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That, that felt flocked. like he was. locked. Yeah, it felt like he was covered with a thin layer of slime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or mold. Ugh, that's pretty disgusting. But yeah, I was familiar with them. I didn't care for them. Uh, I was into Zoids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Okay, so plots. are you
1: more of a mechanical toy person, or are you in for an action thing? Because I, I seem to remember, like, on, uh, oh, I don't know, there were a lot of different things about these He-Man figures. I, I, I had a friend, I, I didn't get any of his toys myself, my parents were cheap and stin- stingy. I had a terrible yeah. childhood, only Legos, and only cheap Lego sets. But a friend of mine had all these He-Man figures, and I, I liked playing with them, Um but there was something about them because they seem more action oriented and like the Zoids and the transformers and all these other things were more mechanically oriented. How did, did your toys fall into one of those categories?
4: Sort of. Um, the Zoids were great because you could take the Zoids apart and rebuild them. Right. And I always loved the little, uh, the little wind up robots with the feet. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've still got one. I've
1: still got two of them. Actually, I've got the red one and I've got a blue orange one still. Those are my
2: favorite. I
4: I had a friend who had like all sorts. He had like a a radio crystal set and he had Mm -hmm. erector sets and he had all sorts of building block toys. I kind of liked the toys that had a mythology that didn't really, you know, that you could build into. I loved the G.I. Joe toys when they came out with those file cards written by Larry Hama Mm
2: -hmm.
4: where it's like Snake Eyes is a master of this and. He's a sergeant E six pay grade and he carries an Uzi, you know, and you can find out, uh, well, what is the Warsaw pact? And why do I, why do they keep calling this M 16 something different? (laughs) Well, it's just
1: you know, I'm trying to find out what these wind up robot toys are. There it is. Uh, there's one of them at least Tommy T O M Y wind up walking robot toys. My grandparents got these for me one year for my birthday like about a dozen of them, some of the red, some of the blue orange ones. And I was like, what in the F are you people serious? You got me these little cheap 90 cent toys, but you know, years later, these are still, I still have these things and I, I love them I, and they still work. That's the amazing thing. Um, I had some star Wars action figures growing up. I don't know. Did you have star Wars?
4: Yeah, I did. I got a Millennium Falcon for oh, really? Christmas one year. Wow!
1: Yeah, you like that? You toy. guys must have been rich.
4: <laughs> I got an AT-AT too. And I, no way! This, like the year, the year after. Um, it always seemed one of like the rich kids, kids had those. Yeah, shut your hole.
3: No, no, um, I'm just saying.
4: I uh, I had a 12 inch Boba Fett. What? Yeah, I used to ask girls if they wanted to touch my 12-inch <laughs> Boba Fett.
1: I had, you know, and then I they had, took like, away. I had the original, you know, collection of figures, and I've still got them somewhere. I think they're back in the nerd room of Doom. You yeah. know, the, the Luke Skywalker, the Ben Kenobi, the Han Solo, the Princess Leia, C-3PO, R2-D2, right. Chewbacca, Darth Vader, and, like, two Stormtroopers. And I think that was it. Mm-hmm. I, and then it wasn't until years later that I was buying my own figures that I got a Boba Fett, a Yoda, um... Landau.
4: A Yoba Fett.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, all these other kids had all of the aliens and all of the... I had a, a TIE fighter and I had a land, land speeder. That, those were the vehicles that I had. I had the droid factory. I never had a land... I thought the land speeder My was kind of cool, but... Can you imagine somebody trying to have an actual fight with a TIE fighter and a land speeder? My land speeder could fly and shoot lasers. I didn't well, have an X-Wing... Course. I didn't have an X-Wing fighter. I didn't have... Millennium Falcon. I was envious. Of I those never had an too.
4: X-Wing because I never cared for the X-Wing, but I always wish they would make a Y-Wing fighter toy.
1: I think they do much later. I think there was one that's around. You might have to look. I'm pretty sure there's as, one that's out. I
4: like the idea of the Y-Wing fighter. That was kind of cool. And the B-Wing fighter. Yeah. And the Q-Wing fighter. Personally, I was waiting for the ampersand wing fighter because I thought that would be kind of <laughs> cool.
1: Now, as a kid... You and I just tore into the packaging, right? I mean, Christmas morning or birthday morning, we tear into the Lego set. We oh, probably throw yeah. those boxes away. You know, the rip, card. You rip,
4: you rip away the package, the box, the wrapping all at once, and you'd have this yeah, yeah. big pile of junk.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, when did you ever get into the mindset of, hey, I got to keep these things mint on the card? Because, you know, unlike comic books, toys actually do appreciate in value over time. If they're mint on that card in the in the proper yeah. packaging. Did did you ever get into that mindset? Do you know when that flipped on for you or did
4: it? Yeah, about the time that I started working at Gatekeeper in 98. When I started actually having. Woohoo. Actually, at the time they were at uh, 21st and Randolph. 21st and Randolph, Topeka. Now
1: it's a. uh, Hello, past
4: people. I don't even know. Uh, It's nothing. Actually, there was a store in there and now you can just stare in and they've taken out all the walls. Oh, you can still see where the, uh, the battlements were painted back in the back in the old game room. Yeah. If you just peek through the front window, you can see where all of the stuff is. That's, That's pretty cool. cool. But for me, it really came at the point when I had both the wherewithal to afford and the ability to get and order collector's toys. One hmm. that I still have the box for is, um, I got a speed racer Mach 5. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the thing is like, two feet long it's yeah. enormous and I still have that in the box um the DC direct figures I started mm-hmm. trying to keep them in the box mm-hmm. and that didn't really work for me because it's a pain in the butt to have that many boxes yeah my That's... flaming carrot uh, action figure is still mint in box oh really
1: okay you know I had those DC direct figures too and for years had them carded had them perfect had them stored and it just got to a point where I had two freaking many of them And I have a closet one of these times as soon as the Nerd Room of Doom gets cleaned up. uh, The first time I showed off to the Nerd Room of Doom when we moved to the new headquarters, I purposefully did not show that closet. That closet is probably about 20 feet long, uh, maybe uh, more like 15 feet long, by about four and a half feet wide, packed from back to front, floor to ceiling, nice 12-foot ceilings with all of those action figures, statues and toys and all of that stuff. I finally sat down what is it, a year, year and a half ago, and I said, enough of this, and just ripped them all out of their packaging. From now on, action figures do not stay in their packaging. There's no, for me, there's no collectibleness to it anymore. For me, it's just like, I'm going to play with them, I'm going to pose them, I'm going to put them in videos, I'm going to put them up on the website in pictures, I'm going to do a lot of playing with these figures. And, of course, you know that...
4: Uh, oh, man. I mean, not sitting, there,
1: not sitting there going, pew, 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 but, you know, actually... Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, during the dark time of Major Spoilers, before the comeback, uh, you know, we had the dark side figure and we actually made a funny cartoon about it. The, um, the Parademon. <laughs> the Parademon has made several appearances
4: on the Major. He uh, has parody right there in his name.
1: <laughs> he's made several appearances He's parody on the man.
4: He's not a Parademon.
1: I, I just, at this point now when I go to the shows... If I can see a figure that's still on the card and I want it, as long as it's not too expensive, I'll buy it. But more, than, more often than not, I'm going through the loose figure bins and finding the figures that I want. I mean, I can, yeah. I can certainly appreciate people that want to keep the stuff mint in, on the card, but I cannot mm-hmm. – right now, I don't think I have any action figures that are mint on the card anywhere in, in, the, in the house.
2: I have
4: There's some statues. One thing that if I have I... some
1: statues that are still in their boxes. But not if I can figures. get
4: it, I will probably keep Mint on card, and that's the uh, Eleven Doctors collector set in the TARDIS oh, yeah. collectors box.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a new one, isn't it?
4: I've yeah. That's one of the things that I want for uh, my birthday this year in December. That came and out gentlemen. like this month or last yeah. month. Yeah, December seventeenth, two thousand ten, will be my fortieth birthday.
1: Only about a month
4: away. I send all cards and gifts and awesomeness.
1: Yeah, send them my way, uh, and I'll uh, be sure to uh, get them to Matthew.
4: You do <laughs> not send things to Stephen. <laughs> he will steal my cool stuff.
1: <laughs> and I'll take them out of the package, play with them. I will punch you. <laughs> eh, you got to catch me first.
2: I,
4: <laughs> <find>
1: <laughs> I don't have to run fast, just have to run faster than you.
4: <laughs> well, people think that I'm slow. I'm not slow. Now, no, no, I don't you're not. necessarily I've seen have run. a lot of range. I've seen you run. I'm faster than hell over a short term.
1: Yeah. So, when you guys work, I mean, you guys stock some toys at Gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of people coming in specifically for? And, and that's what I mean, I think I've mentioned it before in the show. I've kind of moved out of comic books as my main source of geeky fun and moved into the merchandising side with the statues and the action figures and everything. Do you have people that come into the Mm -hmm. store specifically for that?
4: Oh yeah. We have people who want statues, people who want, uh, just action figures. There are people who are completists, but I think that the action figure market has shot itself in the foot with their current model of here's a bunch of characters and, uh, you'll get one of this guy per case. I hate and then that. when you buy that, you have to have four Quardian Warriors, and the Quardian Warrior looks like he just crapped his pants if you've ever looked at him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> worst action figure ever. <laughs> but then there was also the point where um, there was the Alex Ross series. Yeah, where these are characters Kingdom as Come. drawn by Alex Ross. Yeah, these are characters those. as drawn by Michael Turner, and you know there isn't that kind of collector's market right now because there really isn't that much support mm-hmm. in the economy you you know the action figures go by the wayside when people don't have $20 to drop on a toy
1: well yeah $20 for an action figure is a hell of a lot do you um oh yeah um do you go I, I mean you had mentioned your frustration with you know these one one in 20 or you have to buy a case in order yeah. to get the
4: variant do you mm. is, that, is
1: that a frustration you have with with toys
4: Absolutely. Because for me, part of it is a completist thing, especially in the age of the build a figure.
1: Right. Oh man. Where, that you know, me up the
4: wall. Yeah. Where there will be like one flash with the head of dark side or something. Mm-hmm. And then nine different versions of Hawkgirl. It, it doesn't work for me. I like the fact that the DCU action figure line has been around for so long and they have that, that really simple, Aesthetic that allowed me to finally get an Aztec, the ultimate man action figure.
1: Oh man, I'm still trying to collect some of the, some of the ones that I don't have. And I guess my, my biggest complaint isn't that the variant is hard to find. I mean, when I lived in California, this was at the time when the Simpsons figures were just starting to come out. I would drive around to like every Toys R Us in probably about a 15 mile radius. And that would be about a dozen toy stores, including Toys R Us. Never went into Walmart, but Toys R Us and Toys uh, Target. And I would just buy right. all the figures and have all of the figures. The thing that frustrates me the most, and, and this is I don't this has probably got to be a Kansas thing. And it's probably more of a Midwest thing, is that you've got these Walmart exclusives and these Target exclusives. There's like a right. five or seven figure Green Lantern set that's a Walmart exclusive. Well, my GD Walmart. And I go in there and I know a couple of the people that work in the toy section. Our toy section in our Walmart does not have superhero action figures. They have some Star Wars. They have some toys or or some uh, Toy Story stuff. They used to have Ben 10. They don't have Ben 10 anymore. But there is not a single Batman, Superman, Marvel. Well, I guess they have Iron Man if you want to count that as Marvel. But none of that stuff that you would find in a real toy store. No action figures. And it's BS, total BS. And then when I go to, you know, I see that Mattel's coming out like wave 19 of the DC Direct. And I go to our targets in Topeka or Wichita or Kansas City or Lawrence. And they've got like wave seven sitting on the shelf. That's also BS. I hate that. I hate that I can't go into a store and find the current stuff. That somehow it's getting filtered from the east and west coasts. As it filters its way into the middle of America and we get jack shit and that makes me so angry when I I'm like, oh, I'm going to find this figure and then nothing or they only get one case and that's it. And it, you've got to be there on the day they release it or else you don't get it.
4: That yep. is what irritates the hell out of me. Well, in the day of eBay, you can pretty much get whatever you want. Yeah, but see, that's the lot. thing.
1: It's the same thing with, and I was going to look up on eBay before we uh, got started because, you know, we've got that major spoilers costume contest. The entry deadline just ended, and we're about to go into the voting stage. But, you know, that Starro right. figure was like 50 bucks when, if you could buy it from Mattel. And I got in line on the day of and got that Mattel um, collection, 50 bucks. Now on eBay, you know, it's going anywhere from $59 to looks like $129 for that Starro figure. As much as I want a really cool Green Lantern figure, as much as I want to go ahead and get more Parademon figures, I am not going to spend, you know, $35 for a $14 Parademon figure. I'm just not. And I guess that's, well, that's your SLL, but $44. For a Mattel DC Classic Wave 8 Parademon figure, mint on card. Right. 44 bucks. I, I mean, yes, and that's why I said that the good thing is that this is a market that certainly appreciates over time, unlike the, the floppy market. But my goodness, people just take advantage.
4: Floppy market.
1: Yes, the floppy market. The You're individual single market.
4: issue. You're a floppy market. But... <laughs> To some degree, though, I think that the expectation of appreciation in toys is part of the problem. Right. Because the Doctor Who action figure that I recently purchased off the Facebook or the eBay space was $4.98. Mm-hmm. But if you go right now and you look up Fifth Doctor with hat, it's like a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive or something.
1: Right. This is a uh, Tom
4: Baker. 28 dollars Wow. No, Fifth Doctor is not Tom Baker. There is something wrong with you. <laughs> You're a terrible terrible person. <laughs> your your music's bad and you should feel bad. I do feel. 1799 bad. 1999 2894. I bought it loose for 495 and that included shipping from the United Kingdom. Yeah, but you well, just want to put I guess a, shipping was separate.
1: But on yours you just want to put a giant fake snake head on yours and that's it and have fun with it.
4: Oh no, that's the 10th doctor who has the giant fake <laughs> snake head. <laughs> He's actually, you see, what's happening is I'm doing a crossover where the 10th Doctor has been possessed by the Mara, who was a villain in the 4th Doctor's time,
2: uh-huh. or the
4: 5th Doctor's time, rather. And the 5th Doctor has to come and save his 10th incarnation from being possessed by the Mara. And also, it makes my daughter laugh when I go,
3: I'm the cobra! Hello!
4: <laughs> well, you know,
1: I, I don't know. I, I guess in this merchandise market, you can quickly get out of control... Um, when you go onto eBay, because people just, if they know it's rare, the price gets jacked up exorbitantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the we are talking Doctors a couple of box
4: set that I've been wanting is 168 bucks.
1: Yes. Wow. That's a lot. Well, yeah, you know, um, I've been caught up in this market before, you know, the, these, there's these WB maquettes based on Batman, the original animated series that, um, Back in the early 2000s, back when Warner Brothers announced that they were closing their stores and these limited edition statues were even going to be harder to find, um, there were times where those statues would go upwards of $2,500 for a statue that I think was only originally like 80 bucks. Uh, now if you go on eBay and my wife and I actually ended up, I I started collecting these little bits and pieces one by one as the economy in 2000 started to dip. And I got some of these for like a couple of hundred bucks, but even today you can still go on eBay and find these things for $1,500 or more for the original full size maquettes that they had right now. The one that I see right now, Batman animated maquette statue, uh, $1,200 and it's still got... 20 days left to go on that auction. There's another one for 500. There's another one for 800. The, um, rocketeer helmet that I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, somebody must've got the show early and started to bid against me because I did not get that thing. I think it went for like $500.
4: Yeah, they heard. They did. The, uh, sixth doctor in his blue coat. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, the Sixth Doctor is known for his butt-ugly coat. Right. They did a web uh, a webcast of the Sixth Doctor story in, like, 2000-some-odd in an all-blue suit. Cheapest I can find on that. And I had a bidding going on that for, like, 6 bucks once. It's $29.75. Wow. Yeah. $29 do you ever, for do you a ever, loose action figure.
1: Do you ever get into the mindset that, I mean, I know that there's people that do this. That you would say, you know what, I could just go around to the Toys R Us and the Targets and the whatever in the Tri-County area and buy up all these toys and then spend some time on eBay and jack the price. I mean, if you went out right now and you went to the Toys R Us there in Topeka at uh, 27th and Wanamaker or whatever it is, uh, and you went in and you bought up this Superman Blue, Superman Red and went on to eBay and you buy them both for like 10 bucks total. And you went on to eBay and you could double your money. Would you do that as a living?
4: No, because my instinct on that is that I always feel bad for the person who's paying more. I feel like I'm getting, you know, my karma is being soiled because I'm hosing some innocent (laughs) schmuck out of money. You know, when I was on eBay back in the day, and I still have an eBay account and still sell. And I still, you know, I'm in charge of the eBay copy for the store, right? But you know, just I always feel kind of like there was a time when I worked in an outbound call center, and I did Mm -hmm. really, really well because I would talk people into getting things they didn't
1: need. Do you want some hot? And I would feel Matthew.
4: I would feel, (laughs) um, I'd feel like you know I'm using my powers for evil.
1: Right. 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 Right.
4: Trying trying to talk somebody into buying something. I don't know. It's just, if I were to buy something for 10 bucks and sell it for $30, i would be like, woohoo, money for me. And then I'd be like, oh, man. You know, I, I sold.
1: And, I know. had collected every single Simpsons figure and set that they had. And when I was going through the Nerd Room of Doom, I was like, you know what? I am not. I'm going to keep some of this stuff that I really like like the original Homer and the original Marge and Bart figures and the uh, KBBL radio station that drives Matthew crazy every time I bring it into the studio. But I just went up on eBay and sold them. I was like, hey, here's what the current value is. I'm going to go $10 less. So if I bought it for 15 and it's selling online for $30, i will sell it to you for 20 plus shipping. And I sold most of it within a couple of weeks. This... uh DC Universe You're Justice League Unlimited and the baby. <laughs> Superman Blue Suit that I picked up this weekend. I probably picked it up for just a couple of bucks. 16 bucks on eBay. Superman Red, $45 Gosh, so- on eBay. Superman I, I just i don't have the patience to do all this. I know some people do it, and uh, they're really good at it. I have no patience for it. Just like, I, I guess I'm not in an auction kind of bidding kind of mood. I'm like, if I want it, I want it. I don't want to have to constantly try to outbid somebody on it. Do you have a favorite toy?
4: Yes, I have a number of favorite toys. What are
1: your some of your favorite toys?
4: Well, right now, one of my favorite toys is on my desk. It's my fifth doctor action figure. Mm-hmm. I just bought a Samsung uh, Fascinate. That's a cool toy.
1: What's a Samsung um, fascinate?
4: It's a cell phone. Oh, okay.
1: I'm talking about like <laughs> toy toys, not like actual toys. toys yeah. I'm talking about I
4: have, we I shouldn't have, be um, playing with a, do. I have a Vincent robot from the black hole in 79, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty cool. I have a Howard the Duck action figure that I had to buy a silver surfer for, Yeah, but I later sold the silver surfer for 12 bucks after spending <laughs> 8.95 for the combined figure so i actually made money on howard um uh my speed racer is cool i have a ghost rider you remember the ghost rider action figure where ghost rider was on his flame cycle oh yeah 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 i ha- i have the original johnny blaze leather ghost rider but i have the cool danny ketch motorcycle under him uh, cuz i happen cool. to have the thing yeah
1: you want to hear a million nerds? Cry I have an out Aztec, the
4: ultimate man. That's kind gonna... of no, no. This is a
1: Superman fan collection. Superman red.
2: No, no, Matthew, Steven, don't rip the, the... packaging.
1: Matthew can uh, see me doing this no. right on the on the uh, on the video. Uh, a little piece of red kryptonite on there.
4: It's like a thousand speculator nerds <laughs> just cried out no! at once and were suddenly
1: silence. Oh, you know what I hate about action figures. Jeez, it's the packaging. Holy crap. If I have to undo one more twisty tie, if I have to do one more invisible oh, no. rubber band, if I have to, you know, some of these toys, especially some of the ones we're getting for my son, they actually Phillips drive, you know, Phillips, uh, screw them to
4: the packaging. Yes. BS. I tell you BS. Stop it. Molly has lately, uh, it's slowed down a little bit, but for a while she was like, can I have a toy? Well, Daddy has a discount at the comic store. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we would go to the store, and she has a Superman, a Wonder Woman. She has a Batwoman, a Wonder Girl. She has all sorts of toys, and she just picks the one that looks fun. Yeah. And then I get her the toy because Daddy has a discount. You know, it's it's interesting to try and get them. The Wonder Girl figure is maybe six ounces of plastic, and it was all held down with steel ties and just... I know. I mean, I know people can. Steal I have the Superman red, packaging. Superman blue figures too. You should send me a couple.
0: I only have the two
1: of them. I just took the blue out of the packaging. You know the thing that just I hate. Still buy more. Another thing that I hate about toys is when you they look What's good that? in the package and then you get them home and like one leg is slightly shorter than the other, or they've been in their packaging and the feet are bent up to where the thing doesn't ever stand up again.
4: I hate that.
1: <laughs> That's what my Superman you know what blue do? is now leaning to the left
4: poster <laughs> tape or not tape the uh yeah, yeah, the sticky stuff sticky that tape. you yeah, used yeah. to hold no the the poster glop what oh is yeah it, yeah, the yeah, glop?
1: yeah i know what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah. i know what you're talking about
4: i used to do something at gatekeeper called action figure theater <laughs> where i would use the big uh case to tell stories and right. i would you know take the things and i'd glue them in position and at one point um uh, Goldberg, the Goldberg action figure from WCW, which was uh, as as we developed, it turned into something like uh, very much like Saved by the Bell. Goldberg was the AC Slater character, <laughs> and he ended up in uh, the Pirates of Penzance. But I remember gluing him down, and his feet wouldn't hold, so I put glue on the back of his knees. Uh-huh. Not the glue, the actual poster sticky on the back of his knees to hold his knees and then stuck his feet down. And after that, I used that to hold all of them in place. And it did wonderful. Cool. Action figure theater was one of the most fun things I ever had.
1: For me, you know, I, as a favorite toy some things that, of course I've mentioned those uh, Batman animated series maquettes. Those are great to have. Uh, I bought a full size replica of the Tom Servo uh, from mystery science theater 3000.
4: Oh wow! Where is I that? bought that. I see that?
1: If you go over to my Facebook page, I've actually got. Uh... Oh, I want a servo. Yeah, this was not this was not cheap. And then for my birthday, what two years ago or something, my <laughs> wife actually got. Hi me kids, a... I'm
4: Satan. I'll be back later in the picture.
1: His mouth opens. Oh, uh, my awesome. wife actually got me a crow T robot. Not as well done, but still very cool. And I don't have crow in here. Uh, but the, uh, and my wife has been really great. I mean, she's a great person. Love her to death. Um, the first year that we were married, she bought me a life-size Batman statue. Imported all the way from Europe. And it is awesome. And the first one that we got was totally destroyed. Totally destroyed by our UPS handler who came up the sidewalk uh, tipping the box end on end and then letting it fall over, and then oh. I got it out of the package and the whole thing was destroyed. And we co- contacted the guy who I guess was receiving it in New Jersey, but he's like, "Look, if uh, I really sorry about that, shouldn't have happened. Send me the broken piece. Send me the broken one back, and I will send you another one." And these things are hard to find. And he told me, he said, or told my wife actually, he says, "If the next one arrives and it's broken." I will drive the statue out to your house all the way from New Jersey. So. Wow. I, and this Batman statue looks awesome. You must
4: awesome. have paid a buttload.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, my wife paid, not me. That's how much she loves me. Same way with these, uh, if you go do a search Tom Servo, I don't know if they have any um figures up on eBay right now. You know, the working model stuff. Uh, well, this one isn't too bad. This is a full-size replica for only 200 bucks. That's not bad. Fully functional, seen on TV. Oh. Matthew might even
2: be able to afford
1: this looks like I don't this looks like the same guy that did mine. So Matthew, you might head over to eBay what is it? and uh, just do a search. Tom Servo on eBay. It's
4: the Man. very first one that pops up. You know what? My birthday is coming. And 199.
1: Up. It's got zero bid well, and of course we say oh, you know, this doesn't get released till Saturday, Matthew. So by the time this is released, this bid should end. Four days, zero bids, one ninety nine. You need to jump on that.
4: Yeah, no. You need have. to
1: jump yeah. on
4: that, dude. There is no way that I can spend $200 <laughs> on a crow. <laughs> action figure
1: oh, I know. But wouldn't it be, I servo. mean, ever since that series was on TV, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? Because when you and I were younger in college, the internet was still new, but you could go online and people would have instructions on how to build these things. And it wasn't until eBay kicked off that people were actually finding all of these rare parts like the, the Tupperware piece that you needed for the T robot or the, the, um, um, the helmet part that you needed for the T robot. And people then began assembling them and selling them on eBay. And that's whenever I tried to get into it. But, you know, some of these pieces have gone for $800, $1,000. And so to get something for 200 bucks, that's a steal. And I know when you and I were younger... I know I would sit around going, "Wouldn't it be cool to have one of these in our apartment or something?" And now I can fulfill that dream. I can cross that off my bucket list. Anything else you want to add about uh, anything else you want to add about toys?
4: I think that there's nothing wrong with being the guy who's like, "I'm not going to take my toys out <laughs> of the packaging," so long as you're consistent about it. Here's my oh you know, my. There's nothing wrong with. Oh, that is Emprise Bank. Uh, There's nothing wrong with... (laughs) Facebook discussion. Sideline. Anyway, I don't think there's anything wrong with being that guy, but I think that it's also important to note that there has to be a line. You can't spend all your cash on back issues of The Flash, and you also can't you can't have all of your money tied up in toys and say, yes, this is going to be an investment. Oh, I hate that Omac design. <laughs> but if you want to do that and you hang everything, you know, in your office and you're looking at them in the cubicle, that's cool. But there's nothing inherently wrong with it as long as you're having fun. I mean, yeah. even if having fun means sticking a cobra head on top of your 10th doctor action figure, that's one thing, you know. Yep. yeah. But I agree with you. I think the main problem comes when you have two guys who want to argue over whose fun is right, and nobody's fun is ever wrong. That's the oh, difference of no, no, no. people having fun.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So I just thought we'd bring it up toys since I bought a couple toys and then some frustrations that I had over the weekend when we were up in Topeka about uh, looking for new toys.
4: Topeka. Just, I'm I'm in Topeka. In Topeka. In Topeka. Topeka.
1: Didn't have a chance to stop by the comic shop to see if you were in on Sunday because we were already home by the time the comic shop opened on Sunday. We left early su- Sunday morning, so
3: they we went to in. the...
1: I know, we we left Topeka at about 9.30 because we wanted to stop by the Toys R Us and it was still closed, so... Damn those stores that don't really. open until 10 o'clock on a Sunday.
4: Really?
1: Yes. Matthew, do you remember when I uh when you put the words into my mouth that uh leg- they should have never canceled Legends of the Dark Knight?
4: I do. My do name is this? Steven <laughs> and they should have never canceled Legends of the Dark Knight.
1: Apparently that's how I sound. Um
4: that's how I talk cuz I'm Steven and this is how I talk.
1: <laughs> They've had this series called um Batman Confidential, which I've not been a big fan of since since the start and Uh, Quite frankly, the last two story arcs with the vampire werewolf, essentially the Twilight series put in the Batman universe, uh, as well as the Sam Keith arc, just killed that entire series for me. And I haven't read it for about a year and a half. I got an email uh, last week. My name is James Patrick. I write comics. You've reviewed books of mine in the past. Death Comes to Dillinger. Death and the Man Who Would Not Die, Joker's Asylum, Harley Quinn. That's right. I did read those and review those. I wanted to send you a line and maybe a, suggest that. you review yeah. another book of mine, Batman Confidential number 49. The book has gotten serious chatter among people. A lot of people have been taken by surprise. And while I don't normally send emails asking people to review books, the reason I'm doing it here is because there's been a lack of reviews from major sites. Smaller sites and blogs and Twitter, etc. have been all praised it. But while reaction has been strong, it's been overlooked by the bigger names. Apparently, he considers a big name. Either way, I'm sending out a couple of emails and just alerting sites that uh, people are really enjoying the book and see if it might be worth checking out. I can send you a copy if you throw me your address, thanks. And I told him, I said, you know what, I can just go pick up a copy. And I said, I because you asked nicely, because you're an a- author, a writer, who contacted me and says, hey, would you please consider reading my book? Anytime people contact me and say that, I will generally say, I'll read your book. You may still not like the review, but I will pick it up and read your book. And I picked up Batman Confidential last week, and I read it over the weekend. And what do you think I thought of it, Matthew?
4: Uh, I think you thought they never should have canceled Legends (laughs) of the Dark Knight. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know why? Because I think that this book would have been a perfect Legends of the Dark Knight tale. And it's actually a perfect Batman Confidential book. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to sit down with James Patrick and we're going to talk about Batman Confidential number 49.
0: How to get a major spoiler shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one. Visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since
1: 20-06. And with that, I want to thank everybody who contributes to the site. Uh, Our next guest uh, is James Patrick. He's an award-winning writer and creator whose credits include Batman, Star Trek, Angel, Hero by Night, and Death Comes to Dillinger. And when I talk about Batman, I'm talking about this new Batman Confidential. Probably some other stuff, too, but we're going to talk Batman Confidential in just a moment. Uh, James has worked for DC Comics, Image Comics, IDW Publishing, and many, many more. And he also works in television and film. James, welcome to the show. How you doing? Very, very good. Now, I got to say, because going into the commercial break, I read that email that you wrote to me about saying, hey, can you uh, check out Batman Confidential? And I told you because you contacted me directly that I would go out and buy a copy of this book that I haven't read in 18 months or more. Uh huh. And I got to say, this was a great story. This was a great Batman story.
5: Thank you. That was the plan. (laughs) I'm glad glad it worked out.
1: I'm sure nobody goes into writing a a, a comic or a movie or a television series going, well, I'm just going to write a sucky story. Everybody's obviously writing what what they like best. But I guess this is what I liked about Batman Confidential. Um, It starts off with a 911 call, and somebody's busting into an apartment with a gun, and the the woman and the is protecting her daughter in the closet, and Batman is on his way while while all this is going on, or he gets the message a little late gets into the apartment, finds the dead parents, and then he spends the rest of the issue trying to find where the little girl is and where the killer is and it all happens probably I would guess in the space of fifteen twenty minutes tops
2: yeah,
5: yeah, I would say so be like yeah fifteen minutes I would say it's you know it happens and and he goes from he goes through the building pretty quickly because he oh, yeah, gets up yeah. and down the stairwell in it, and, and uh, you know when you have grappling hooks and a cape to glide down, you can you can get up and down pretty quickly. But yeah, yeah, he goes uh, he goes. I would say about fifteen minutes too.
1: And it's great because we get to see Batman go from detective to you know the superhero that does all the punchy punchy and the and the fighty fighty, and okay. we even get him see uh, to do a few little quippy moments. Like at the very end Mm -hmm. when he's talking to the old woman in the apartment. Right, right. And in my opinion, it is a classic Batman tale because we're dealing with the detective and we're dealing with the quote unquote superhero.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: The Batman Confidential Series is supposed to take place early in Batman's career, supposedly. When did you place this? What what year is this for you or do you even consider that?
5: First let me preface it by saying I I didn't write the book specifically for Batman. Confidential. Oh
2: um, really? Okay. It
5: was, yeah, it was more of a uh it was more of a uh I don't want to call it a tryout, I'm not really it but uh when I when I came into uh, DC when, when when they wanted to test me or whatever, that was the script I had written. Mm. And um some people liked it so much that they ended up putting it in confidential. So there was no target for me to say this this has to go into con I didn't look at confidential's parameters and say Cause I've heard people say, oh, confidential is, is, you know, early in his career is one thing. Another thing is, it's like, it's famous first that have never been told, like the first right. time he met the Justice League or stuff like that. I've heard a couple different things, but I didn't take any of those approaches because at the time I wrote it, I didn't know it was going to be in confidential. So, um, but it, it still fits in well because you, you can, um, you know, like you said, it's early in it, it can, it, it feels a little early in his career.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
5: um, but I also think in some ways it, it, I, I don't think you have to put a time on it. I, I think, I think, that that could be the like uh you know he's pretty sharp in it so i'm gonna say it doesn't happen really early right but uh it you know i th- i think that could be batman at any time because it's just it's definitively about about the detective in him you know mm-hmm. everything about it that story thematically i think is about the detective even when he's going up and down the stairs he's in that mode even though he's thinking about other things he's thinking about them in a detective sort of way <laughs> like the, the crazy read like, well yeah you did put the crumbs and, Right. and how he deduces, stuff like that. So thematically, it's always about... So it was more it's more about um, an aspect of him rather than a time in his life.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really... One it's part of... It. It's really weird, because as he's doing these grappling hooks up and down the apartment building, he's going, huh, my most recent girlfriend... Uh, Said she was at her mother's house, but I know her mother lives on the south side, but I heard the south side church goes, so she must be in another man's apartment. And then another time he's commenting about the pipes in the building and how they must be old and asbestos filled. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's a weird look at, I mean, it's not weird because I guess that's how Batman would always be uh, thinking along these lines, yeah. always occupying his mind.
5: He always thinks like a, you know, he could be making a ham sandwich and trying, right, right. try, you know, and, and figuring out uh, where the bread came from or something like that. <laughs> That's what I tried to accomplish with that issue, was because uh, he's always and and except for the one moment in it, which I, I felt it, it that that beat needed to be there, where he turns it off um, because yeah. if, if he, you know, if he's the detective at that moment, then then two people are going to lose their lives because mm-hmm. you know he thinks about the situation and basically he thinks that. If, if he does what he's thinking about doing he's gonna die but and they're gonna die, but you know but then that's where he becomes the hero you know what i mean be, yeah you know, logic goes out the window <clears throat>
1: you you said this yeah. was a tryout piece how did you did you approach d c about writing for them did they approach you how did how did this all come about
5: well i had done i had done a book called Death comes to dillinger mm-hmm. and um it it got some it got some notice and um Warren Ellis had said some nice things about it and the reviews on it were great and, yeah. Um, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of got me other work. It was the book that, that, you know, most people say, oh, it was the Stepping Stone book or the book that got me noticed. That was my, uh, that was my book that, that kind of, I felt could show people that I could write. And it just happened that, um, Dan Didio picked up, uh, the sequel of Death and the Man Who Would Not Die
2: mm-hmm. in, in
5: a comic shop and he liked it. And he asked a mutual friend of ours about me and she put in a good word and, he just asked me to meet him up in uh up in Chicago, and so I went up met him, and you know just he they just wanted to try me out, see how i see how I do so
1: well, that's kind of cool, and so did you have this script kind of already written, or did they say we want you no. to write a Batman story, or did they say just write a character piece?
5: You know well, they asked me what I thought of might you know like well, what do you think you'd be good at and and I said, oh you know I, that's i I feel like that my strongest voice is like uh Frank Miller, that you know, the darker mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. street level stuff, and I thought I really like Batman, and I think I could really knock Batman out of the park, and, you know, because because not that I necessarily thought that it it's time, because you got to say that, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, it right, it, but you got to make it, you know, you can't you can't look you can't look weak, so um, yeah, I, I told them that I, I wanted to, to give Batman a shot, and they gave me a shot at, at it, and you know, we we just picked a story, like I pitched a couple things, and they picked one, and. And, uh, did the script, uh, Ian Sattler, uh, kinda guided me through the DC process of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, had great feedback on it. And, you know, we worked it up and, uh, they really liked it. And so, it, it, the thing is, as I wrote that before, I wrote Harley. And then, um they liked that script so much, I think that's why I got Harley. And then, right, uh, I, I, the Joker's Asylum, Harley Quinn. And, uh, then the, uh, the Batman Confidential images came out. So.
1: so how long ago was this script written? So this is something that, that you wrote quite a while ago and it was sitting around and then they're like, uh-huh. oh, we need something to fill in this this spot. Let's run this script.
5: I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know how, you know, I didn't ask. I didn't right. push or anything. I just, it's not that old. It's like, uh, I wrote it at the end, I think it was like the end of last year. Um, and then uh, uh, I maybe didn't have a place for it or I don't know how, you know, I don't Question it.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. But,
5: uh, but, uh, I know they liked it, whether they were going to publish it or not. I knew they liked it. And, and they said, you know, I had heard that they wanted to publish it, but, uh, it's not exactly, st- I don't, I don't know how long the, the, the lag on, on the, the, the backup on confidential is. They could have had two years worth of stories or something. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know it was going to go anywhere. Plus, at the time, don't forget that, you know, uh, Dick Grayson was, you know, is, was Batman. Right. So. The only place that that story could have went at the time was Batman Confidential. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's basically, it was weird because it's a one shot, and, and you know, where do you put something like? It has to fit somewhere. Yes. So, um,
1: well, but I, it ended
5: up, so you know, I, it ended up going in, in issue forty nine. I guess they found, you know, a nice little spot for it before, before, uh, Guggenheim's four issue thing. So.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I just, I, I, I'm just curious. I'm sure that. uh Dan and, and many of the other editors at, at DC sit down all the time with new talent, and I'm sure all the time they, they hear, oh, uh, well, what character would you like to write? Well, I could write a, a crackin' good Batman story. Did they kind of roll yeah, their right. eyes and chuckle and go, yes, yes, everybody's got a Batman story?
5: No, I, no because I think that, that was the, I think that's the, uh, I think at that point that I had gotten to, I had, you know, he had read a book of mine. He knew, he knew at least that I could, I could turn out something of quality, and that's, that's the process is to say, what do you think would be your strongest thing on? And I think they want to, um, you know, they, they, they want a good story too. So they, at that point, I think they want you to do your best work. And, and so it wasn't like, it wasn't like that at that point. Now, I mean, Mm -hmm. if I was going to a con and and he didn't know who I was and I walked up and I said, I want to write Batman. (laughs) Yeah. You know, probably a little size of me. Yeah. But But, but, we, you know, we were, we were into, we were in a couple steps and, and, you know, he had a, a piece of work of mine in his hand that was you know a pretty dark dark tale so
2: mm-hmm.
5: I, you know i you can't stress it enough when when you're talking to to uh, up in commerce is, is you put that book in people's hands that's your resume you know, right best here and uh well, he had my, you know
1: well then let's but. let's step back a moment let's go back to i guess the beginning when did you when did you decide that you wanted to write comic books i mean obviously you work in other medium as well but um mm-hmm. when when did uh, comic books come up as something that uh, would be something you'd be interested in doing?
2: Uh, you know,
5: from the beginning, I mean, from the beginning of my writing career, because I'd always read comics, and, and honestly, I, I just lost some time in the 90s because I was so turned off <laughs> by comics in the 90s. I stopped reading them, and I, I started, like, you know, trying my hand at prose because I, I was so disgusted with, with what was out there. Not
2: mm-hmm. it,
5: Just in general, I mean, just in general, it, it, there were very few things that I really, really enjoyed, and uh, i kind of got a bad taste in my mouth and i left for a little while and uh but um you know i, I started uh there, then 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 the the decade uh you know the 2000s came and and, and you saw some really a change a, in the industry as a whole not that there wasn't anything good in the 90s but you just saw things changing and i was like yeah this is the kind of you know this is inspiring that, that, that the industry is heading in this direction and i want to write comics again right so you know i started with a little book called crackers and it did uh it did pretty well critically too, and people really liked it. Um, it was the humor book about two birds that just absolutely hate each other. And um, just at some point, I said, "Well, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta do a book that, 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 not not just for a resume, but you know, I wanted to tell a story that was like more mainstream." And so I did the Death Comes to Dillinger book.
1: And you know, that is uh, a the Death Comes to Dillinger and Death and the Man That Would Not Die um, are. Two, I mean, I think that's got to be my first exposure to you um, mm-hmm. way oh, back. Oh, you remember in, them? <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, uh, okay, cool. there are several times. I mean, we gave, I know that we gave, and I forget which one I'm thinking it was, Death and the Man Who Would Not Die. We gave it really high review up on the site when it first came out.
5: Yeah, yeah, I think I think he gave it a perfect score, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a great story, and in fact, for a couple of years, when I was teaching a uh, comic book to film class, I would pull this one out and, and we would talk about it in class and talk about an adaptation and how it would work or not work. And uh, oh, well, that's so, awesome. yeah, it's it's uh, popped up several times in in conversation, mm-hmm. and so that's why when you said that, it popped in my mind that oh yeah, I know who this person is is uh, as, as far as a writer and what you've written before. Then you uh, then you mentioned the. Uh, or in your bio, it says Hero by Night. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, people who've been around in the industry or been paying attention in the last five or six years know Hero by Night more from the controversial side with what happened with uh, DJ Kaufman and Platinum Studios. So I'm kind of surprised that you're you're involved in that. How were you involved in the Hero by Night series?
5: Well, DJ drew my Crackers book. And he drew... And DJ and I worked together on a movie Poop Shoot for, for, that was Kevin Smith's site oh, yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. We did web comics. We did, uh, he did Brian Lynch's Monkey. I think it was Monkey Man. And, and he mm-hmm. did Soda for me. And it's just weird when you go back to like all these little things I did. Not little, but all these things I did. But DJ and I have been doing stuff for, forever together. And, um, so when, when he, he did his Hero by Night thing and he did the, he, he of course did the, the, the limited series for, for mm-hmm. Platinum and um, and I'm not scared to talk about Platinum either so I'll, I'll get to that in a second
2: okay good
5: <laughs> um, I'm not scared to give my opinion on that whole situation yeah but, um um here but uh oh, where, where was I going I lost my train of thought um so, DJ and I had worked together, and he did the Hero by Night limited series. Mm-hmm. And Hero by Night, it, it was, you know, successful, and, and people liked it and, and stuff like that. And Platinum so really got behind an ongoing series, and DJ said, well, I really, you know, he really liked me and, and, and all. And he thought that with him drawing the book and inking and, and doing all that work, he might need a little help. So, he brought right. me in, and I scripted it. Plus, he liked he liked the pop I brought to it, like the dialogue and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, So, he called me in. <clears throat> And we did, you know, we, I wrote, I think I wrote six issues, three were published, and it was an ongoing series, and
2: then
5: mm-hmm. DJ and Platinum fell out for a little while. And, yeah,
1: there and, was uh, a big controversy surrounding payment, non-payment, who was, right. uh, who had rights to certain things, because at one point, right. I thought that Platinum had sold that to be turned into a TV series.
5: Is that uh, not true? As far or? as I understand it, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. uh, well, sold it, you know, licensed it out to okay. be probably more accurate. Um let me say this, DJ and Platinum were both incredibly great to me. I mean, like, they were both incredibly great. And a lot of people got the argument wrong um, mm-hmm. with DJ. You know, DJ was mad because they weren't. Um, they, they, the economy hit the crapper, basically, and, and that's what, you know, that's what Platinum said. They, right. they were having issues paying DJ. Um, but DJ's issue with them in the initially was never a rights issue. It was never, oh, platinum, um, platinum, you know, stole, stole my ideas or took my rights and they shouldn't have or that. Mm-hmm. DJ was always very happy with the deal, you know? he right. he, he drew a comic for them and, and he felt they paid him very well. And, and on the, on the creator side and then the rights side, he was very happy with all that. Some people tried to make it into a rights issue and a reason why not to give up your rights. And, and if you want to do that, that's fine, but you can't use the, their dispute at that time for that but what ended up happening was um they didn't pay him and that's what he was mad at me, you yeah. know that's what he was when the money stopped that's when he and then that's well documented so yeah.
1: i'm not
2: oh, tell, i'm yeah, not, I'm both not
1: telling on anyone yeah else. on his blog site he goes into great detail and i i followed that uh, quite interestingly because I, I hero by night was something that i was interested originally in the story and mm-hmm. how it was progressing and then i don't know there were some things that uh, platinum had done with cowboys and aliens and some other things that they were doing at the time, just kind of put a bitter taste in my mouth, and I kind of drifted away right. from from everything that was going on over there. So, you know, well, all I can I don't even know if I even got into that series as a, as an ongoing. I think all I saw was the limited um,
2: run.
5: Right. All I can say was Platinum treated me very well, and well, um, working with them was was really good experience. Um, other people have nightmares. I did not. You know, I was a work for it was a work for hire situation for me. Right. And they paid me, and there were no problems and with dj um, at the beginning now dj had some had some issues lately with with trying to get the rights, so he could do some work with them and and I don't know what's going on with that because I'm not too involved anymore, mm-hmm. but in the beginning, you know DJ just wanted him to pay them. There were no rights issues dj was pretty was pretty happy with with his situation, and you know he it's well pretty well documented that but right. people people made it their own argument, and that kind of upset me i didn't like that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they started. They started screaming. Oh, DJ's mad because the rights and this and that. But that that really wasn't the case. But yeah, it was a big. It, it was a big deal at the time when 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 all that stuff happened. And I was just glad I got to write a comic. It was my first ongoing comic. Oh, cool. What it did was it kind of it, it kind of trained me. I was thinking months in advance. I was thinking of overarching stories.
2: Mm-hmm. I was thinking
5: in those terms. And and you know that's what it, and they paid me. and It was awesome. So.
1: Do you ever abandon ideas? I mean, do you find that something that you may have done in Hero by Night or something that you may have had planned in Hero by Night, a plot element or a theme or something carries over into another series or might carry over into another series?
5: Yeah, I mean, it, we you know, we scrap so much stuff on, on on Hero by Night and on on anything you do, I think you take out scenes and uh uh you know, you have leftover. You have scraps I have a, what I call scraps for every book I do, mm-hmm. and I drop everything into the scraps folder of that book, and it's just all the stuff I didn't use. Um, and I think, I think that's just, you know, as a writer, I, yeah, I, I definitely took stuff from Hero by Night and other things. You'd never recognize it, probably.
1: Oh no, <laughs> but, no, but uh, I'm just thinking if if that's actually there in the back of the of your mind of oh, you know, I I didn't yeah. get to use that there, and this would be perfect in this angel story or something like that. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that that's, yeah, that that's how it works, but you know that. Is, so after hero by night was over and, and what came next? Was it star Trek and angel or was it something else that came? Well, uh, it, following
2: you
5: know, that? I, it was kind of across the board because um, um, i I think, yeah, star Trek and angel were in there and I was writing, I was writing a TV show for a little while. Oh,
1: and, well, what TV show? What TV show?
5: It was it was a local show. It was called uh, Independent Access, but it was it was, oh, okay. actually, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we were about to get syndicated, but we had a huge problem with the um, um, we had a huge problem with the music uh, it was oh. because people would people would send in stuff,
2: mm-hmm. and we would, we would
5: play it, and then we'd do these little bits between it and stuff, and uh, it ran on NBC, and then we were going to uh, we were going to syndicate it, but it, the rights for, for music became a nightmare. Checking yeah. that people had. And uh so we didn't end up end up doing it, so no, hey, I understand know, we did that. Like, we, yeah, we did thirteen episodes, and and you know we're really proud of it, and, and uh it was it was it was pretty good, but uh ultimately it just became impossible to do. Well, this is
1: interesting. I mean, you haven't had it doesn't sound like from your bio of, of these titles, it doesn't sound like you've had a lot of uh, titles or issues that you've you've done. But you've got no, you've got really. your hands in some huge pies. I mean, you've got Angel, which is a which mm-hmm. is a big deal to all the Buffy fans out there. You've got Star yeah. Trek, and that's got its own universe of of followers. And then you've got Batman right. and and uh, Harley Quinn and Joker's Asylum. And again, I was going back and looking, and no disrespect to you, but. I don't know just – and I've said this before on the show that I don't really pay attention to writers that much whenever I pick up a book. I'll pick it up and I'll mm-hmm. read it, and if it's really good, I'll go, oh, who wrote this? Oh, James Patrick. Well, that name sounds kind of familiar, but I'm not going to remember, oh, yes, James Patrick, who's done all these right. other things. I went back and looked at our review of um, Joker's Asylum 2, Harley, and Matthew gave that a, a great uh, review as well. I think he gave it a four and a half out of five stars. And Right, you know, that's right. I, When you've got consistently – and again, this is a, our non biased uh, opinion on, on comic books. Mm-hmm. You actually are a great talent Be- just well, because of the feedback that, the that you're pitch. getting these things. And I'm, and I'm not sucking up to you. I'm just saying here's all the past work that we've reviewed that you've been involved in. It's all highly mm-hmm. rated. And, you know, that's, that's only the, the big conclusion we can come to.
5: Uh, yeah, that's, thank you. I appreciate that. Um the thing is, is that my whole career, I've, I've, I've honestly gotten great reviews and, and it's, I've been very fortunate that, that my work has been so well received. However, I have never quite caught on in that. You know what I mean? I never right. quite, uh, nobody's ever kind of put it, <laughs> never, ever said, oh, he's wrote, written all these books. And, uh, uh, you know, a couple, I have, you know, I have fans obviously out there, but um as a whole, the industry hasn't got, oh, you know, we need to snatch
2: him up. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: um, I tell you what—if so. DC is listening, and I don't—I uh, don't know if they are or not—but whoever at DC, <laughs> and you should send them the copy of the show. They need to hire you as an exclusive contract. To be honest, oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I, and quite honestly, and I—I I commented to you in an email before that the previous two story arcs in the Batman Confidential just really soured the whole book, and really on and off throughout its entire run, it hasn't sat well with me. Um, but you know, it's it's issues like this one that make me want to continue to read the book. And really, the latest numbers have come out with comics in a slump for a second month. Writers like you are needed in in these universes.
5: Thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, um, these you know, hopefully, people notice these books, and and I continue to get more work, and I can I can catch on. You know, the, the honest the honest truth is, though, you know, part of part of me not 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 having that career yet is partly my fault. Um, I've always had one foot in, in, in the day job and one foot in comics mm-hmm. and a family. And it's really hard to go to cons and, and, and kill yourself out there because, right. I mean, I've seen people, I've seen people do it and I've seen them succeed. And I'm just like, man, I wish, really wish, I'm not saying that's why I haven't, but I'm just saying that's an aspect of it. And, and I, you know, for years I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now I'm a, you know, I have enough work now that I actually quit my job. <laughs> oh, I'm a full-time writer, so so I'm um, so a lot you, more. Regret.
1: Were you working for the Access Station full-time? Is that what you were doing, or what were you doing
2: full-time?
5: Yeah, well, I was working. I was working for a TV station for a long time, and um, uh, so, but it was just time to do what I loved instead of right. Uh, yeah. And I uh, luckily I had li- lined up enough stuff, and I was getting enough attention that, that I could, you know, I could I could do that. So if it fails, I'll go back to work. somewhere. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> well, but, there's uh, always TV jobs. That's one thing that I've learned. I mean, I've worked in TV and video for years, and so we have everybody else on the show yeah. on the site. So we all know where you're coming from with that. So um, yeah. It's it's good to break away, though, isn't it? To just go out and do what you really love and what you want to do?
5: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice because, because it, you know, I'd write for a couple days, and then I'd have to shut it down because you just... As a writer, you you're so engrossed in what you're doing, and I'm sure artists are like that too. You, you get so engulfed in it that mm-hmm. you you start it up, and then just right when you're getting the right when you get going, you know, all of a sudden, hey, you got to go work for ten hours, and and basically think about your job. So, um, yeah, but uh you know, hopefully things, hopefully things. I don't want to say turn around because I'm very grateful for the books I've written. Sure. Um, and to be honest with you, a lot I've had a lot of bad luck. Um. I had two companies go, I don't, I don't want to call them uh, out of business because they're still kind of hanging on by a thread, but I had two, two books at two companies, uh, in, in, in some of the years that are missing some work that, that were going to go. And those companies had financial problems and the books were abandoned. And then, you know, we we worked on those books for months and Mm -hmm. we had everything set up for those. So I've had some bad luck there. And then, um, you know, I, I was lined up to do more Star Trek work, but, uh, Editor things happen, and, and editors turned over, and one editor right. doesn't know you, and it's that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think I think in my time, I, when I wrote Star Trek, you know, I was lined up for another book, and then that uh, they went through like three, ed- they they turned over three editors in that department really quick, mm-hmm. and, and, and slowly, you know, they have their own people they, that yeah. they trust,
1: and it's kind of and going making a TV connection. is kind of like when a new general manager comes in. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of gets switched out, or the, you know, with the with the general manager's favorite people and people that may have been doing something for for years find themselves out of a job fairly quickly.
5: Yeah, and that you know that they just there was a period of time where a whole bunch of those things happened at once. Where I would have had a lot of books come out, right? And but um, it it didn't, you know, it just didn't work out. And you pick yourself back up. And again, I'm, I wasn't the most aggressive when it went to going to cons and stuff like that, a family job.
1: So, um, now you've got DC Comics, Image Comics, IDW, uh, I forget mm-hmm. who, uh, Death and the Man Who Would Not Die. I think that was like Silent, mm-hmm. who was that? Silent Hill? No. What was the company? Silent, the, Devil. Silent Devil. I don't yeah, see Silent Marvel them. on this list. Why not?
5: <laughs> uh, they don't return my emails yet. <laughs> hopefully they'll look at it. Hopefully they'll look at a few books someday and say, hey, we like what this guy is doing. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. Part of the reason I sent you that email was because, uh, the, the bat, well, the ba- the Batman Confidential was was just, you know, on message boards. People were just like, "Oh my God!" They they said the same thing you said, you know, about how how they weren't expecting that story in Batman Confidential. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned some heads. What was frustrating about it is is that the major review sites had, you know, assuming they had done the same thing you did, had kind of, you know, they weren't looking at Batman Confidential anymore. Right. So um, there there was a lack of major reviews. And so I sent out some emails because you know I have no humility as a full-time freelance writer. <laughs>
2: hey, that's so I sent what i to do.
5: <laughs> so I sent out some emails and I just said, "Hey, you know, people are really kind of liking this book, and yeah, I'd really appreciate it if, if if you guys just reviewed it. Give your honest opinion. If mm-hmm. you hate it, you hate it. If you like it, mm-hmm. you like it. Because I felt you know, I felt good about the book, um, about people reviewing it. I wasn't, I wasn't afraid. So,
1: sure. Well, I hope that you know, I hope. Uh, obviously, this is now going on three weeks that the book's been out. I am pretty sure people can still find it in their comic book store. Um, I w I would encourage people to go out and just pick it up. I think it's a, it's a good solid Batman story. And the only disappointing part about the whole issue was the end of the book, because then I realized, Mm -hmm. Oh wait, this is only a one shot. And I was like, this was, this was getting really good. I was really hoping for a couple more kind of done in one issues with you on it. But this was your only, Mm -hmm. only thing that you've been signed for that you can talk about right now.
5: Right, right. Are you okay. what? a well, uh, I'm, I'm glad you were disappointed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, disappointed that's, that's
5: in quite that a sense.
1: I, without, yeah. I don't know if you're under any kind of confidentiality, confidentiality or non-disclosure agreements or anything. But can you talk about what you've got, what you're working on now, what people can look forward to in the coming months? Um, well,
5: let's see. Well, I am working on stuff, but I, I got to, I got to see what I think about what I can talk about. Okay. Um. Uh let's see even if it's just
1: I'm going to be writing an issue of this or an issue of that you don't have to go into plot details well, or
5: anything but. I'm am writing a screenplay right now for a company um I've been hired so I'm, I'm doing that but I obviously can um I can't talk about what that is yet um Right I'm um, I'm also writing a comic for a company but the, you know that uh, that that hasn't been <laughs> quite
2: quite Release, talked about yeah. There's sure.
5: absolutely nothing I, I feel comfortable talking okay. about that no, i have going fine. out
1: No
2: that's because fine none yeah. of
5: it is previews yet so there's no um yeah, um, but I appreciate
1: you asking. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's it's good because now I, now you're on my radar, and now I have That's to cool. to watch out for future books that you've written, so I can pick them up because it's you know I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy them considering your past track record of things that that I've read of yours that that have worked. Now I haven't, to be honest, I haven't read uh, the Star Trek or Angel stuff from IDW, but Angel's still going pretty strong, and so is Star Trek. So I can't imagine that uh, the stuff was too terrible.
5: What what well maybe yeah. I have
1: what what specifically did you write for Star Trek?
5: Uh, I did Alien Spotlight Vulcans. and uh, <laughs> oh,
1: because I was going to say, I think I remember reading the Alien Spotlight series.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh.
5: yeah, I wrote I wrote uh, the Alien Spotlight Vulcans, and and once again, I got some pretty good reviews, and and people liked it a lot, and and I was supposed to get more work, and and um, you know, they had like a three editors turnover, like I sure. said before. Um, and I wrote in Angel Masks. I wrote uh, I wrote one of the stories in that. It, it, it was like an annual type thing. That they did, uh, even though it only did one issue, uh, they called. I've heard it called an annual before, but it basically mm-hmm. was four stories. Sure. And, uh, I did how Lindsay and Eve met. If you're an Angel fan, you know what that yeah,
1: means. Cool. And, uh, yeah. How do you approach writing your your scripts? Do you go into? I know some some writers are um, somewhat vague as what needs to go in the in the in the panel. They'll say, you know, we need to see, you know, the Enterprise in space floating around some asteroid <laughs> debris. Right. Or And some people right. go, hey, this needs to be an extreme long shot, or I need a close-up shot, or this needs to be a horizontal, you know, um, cinema scope kind of uh, feel to it. H- how how detailed do you get in your script when you're working with your artist?
5: I, I get I get detailed, and I will put extreme long shot and stuff like that, but at the top mm-hmm. of every script, I put all shots of suggestions.
2: Oh, good. And, okay.
5: and that's I write it that way because I see it that way, and I know it works that way. Now, that doesn't mean an artist can't come in and do his thing and, and, and make it work better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but for, you know, for cinematically, in my mind, and, and, and sequentially, I see it, and that's how I write it, because I know that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'll get I'll get specific and say, ah, I try to keep to this on, on certain things, like, you know, beat panels where something's silent, or you're trying to get, you know, there's a timing issue or a rhythm mm-hmm. issue, I'll get really specific and I'll be like, you know, the seat panel probably has to be here and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I do obviously mm-hmm. write panel to panel. You know, it's not the 1960s anymore. <laughs> yeah. So people, you know, there's, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of um, uh, an artist drawing a book and then a writer going in over it.
1: Right. Um, but I mean, every company has a different style that they kind of want you to work with. Right. Or is, or has it pretty much evened out now that all companies are kind of expecting the same kind of of script delivered I, to them?
5: I I would think you know other than I I know some guys work on final draft and some guys work in Word and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever but you know I I've always turned in the same type of format and it's just your standard pay, you know page one and then you you go down right. a couple panel one and then you put the paragraph in it, what it is and you put the dialogue underneath mm-hmm. and um, you know I've been I've always done it the same way and and other than like little things like like one company might want you to number your dialogue and another company doesn't care about that, other okay. than little things like that, it's all kind of kind of the same so
1: okay, did you go to school for uh video production television production, or did you go in as a as a writing major as an english major uh,
2: psychology <laughs>
1: oh, okay, so how do you go so, from psychology to television
5: i uh, just um well, you know, it was about moving, at the time it was about moving from my wife's work because she has, she's, she's, she's a really good job. So we had to work, you know, we worked around her and right. whatever happened, kind of happened. So my, tech, my psychology degree was, you know, my psychology thing was a four year, so it, it didn't really amount to anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. She got a master's or something, you're, you're
2: mm-hmm. you know. hmm
1: And then, um, do you have any, any tips for... For people out there who want to write for a company or or write for a particular character, any any writing yeah, tips get, that you might have or
5: I mean, advice? You got, you got to do a book. So <laughs> that's even like what it, what we said about you know uh, when when Dan Didio had that, that that copy in his hand, he at least you know he it, it's your resume. It's, it, it somebody can look at that and say this guy this person is capable of of at least writing a comic mm-hmm. and, and writing a good comic, and that's what it takes. I mean, you can. You know, you can send pitches all day, but an editor will never, never run a story. of will never let you write a story. They may buy an idea or something, but you know, until you prove to them that you can, you can write, um, and that's what that thing is. So you got to go out and you got to make books. And, and you, you know, if you make good books, or somebody, you know, somebody, hopefully, somebody, an editor says, "Hey, I really like this guy's work," or, or a publisher.
2: Sure.
1: <laughs> so. Do you th- do you think that it's a wise choice for? New writers to go out and target the radical publishings, the Platinums, the 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 uh, Silent Devil, the Viper Comic people, the smaller publishers, or should they really just go independent and totally do it themselves so that they have something that they can then show?
5: I, well, I, I you know, I, I think I think if you can get a publisher to publish your book, then that's what you do because they foot the bill. So if you can mm-hmm. put together, the nice thing is, is it, I see so many guys out there doing it wrong, and and by that I mean. The first thing they do is they make a complete comic. Well, you know what? Maybe maybe you could put together five pages with an artist and send it to Image, and maybe Image will pick it up. Do that first, rather than spending five thousand or ten thousand dollars on on self-publishing. And then, it, you know, if, if if you exhaust your publishing, uh, if you exhaust your publishing avenues, uh, think about going online, and then mm-hmm. maybe collecting it, you know, later. And then, so it's. You know, I, earlier I had said, you know, make a book and put it in people's hands, but, but, you know, you could even say that putting it on the web is putting it in people's hands. It's just, more right. Of a, you know, figurative statement. Um, just get your work out there was, was what I meant. Um, so, yeah, that that's my best advice is, is make work and and, but, uh, but, yeah, going to your question, your actual question, um. You know, start start with what who you think is going to take your book. Where, where is your book the best fit? Mm-hmm. If you think you have a book that's good at Image, then you take it to Image. If you have a book that you think you know fits at Vertigo, then try to try to go to Vertigo somehow. And and uh, but put together those five pages first before you before you decide to spend ten thousand dollars publishing something. And, and maybe Image will pick it up and, and they'll put it out there for you. And if they don't, then you you go through your other options. Um, you know, what's the best fit? that's the first thing i'd ask myself and then i would do the submission
1: excellent well james please do let us know when you can talk about your other uh, your other projects cuz i do want to read what you have coming up next and awesome. uh, and i and good luck keep keep doing the good stuff because i want to keep reading the stuff that you're writing
5: thank you very much all right well thank and you so much and that's what i was james. hoping when I, you know when i oh <laughs> hey no
1: problem no Thanks listen Listeners, go out there and, and pick up Batman Confidential number 49. If you're a Batman fan, I think you're really going to get a kick out of it. It's not, uh, you know, if you like Paul Denny's stuff, then I think you're going to like this. So there you go. Thanks so much, James. Thank you. So there you go. Thank you very much to uh, James Patrick for joining us on the show this week. Uh, Really enjoyed the conversation. Really enjoyed Batman Confidential number 49. It's too bad it was a one-shot. Hopefully he'll be writing some more again in the very near future. Uh, Remember, listeners, if you want to be part of the complete Major Spoilers experience, you can call the Major Spoilers hotline at
4: Matthew... 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers. Luke, I'm your hotline.
1: And uh, I hope you enjoyed our earlier discussion about toys. I'd like for you to uh, head over to the Major Spoilers website, go down to the comments section, and talk about uh, toys, your favorites, or what you thought of our discussion, impromptu discussion. Remember, the weekend show's a little bit different than the normal show. Still, still hate you, Matthew, but... That's well, you the way know, we hate each
4: other and nah, uh,
1: no. Actually, Matthew's quite it's the okay. cool. It's okay.
4: We're just a couple of stupid old guys who don't know anything. So
1: we're we're just a couple of cool fellows, and I'm glad to have Matthew here. And listeners, hopefully Rodrigo will be back on Tuesday when we talk about Chew, And if he's not, I'm gonna kick him in the butt. <laughs> Otherwise he'll probably be calling us from the road once again. We'll talk to you next time. Why?
0: Because we know that you love comics and we do too, and we'll talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers.
3: What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stark Raven, rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a King Santo throwing soldier major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler Wow, wow, wow. what a major spoiler major spoilers podcast copyright 2010